This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Welcome to this edition of Real Talk on this uh, Thursday, July 27th. It's a big one. And Johnny, I'm wearing my golf shirt because today is the day right after the show. I'm I'm heading down to beautiful central Alberta, about halfway through uh, between Red Deer and Sylvan Lake to Alberta Springs Golf Resort to the golf course down there uh, for the inaugural, the first ever Casa Golf Classic Red Deer. We're going to be raising funds for mental health supports for kids teens and their families and i'm looking forward to meeting a bunch of real talkers down there so it's a it's an exciting day there's a certain energy in the studio yeah. today well you know we need more mental health initiatives everywhere so that's great and Isn't good on you yeah. and salt of the earth people down there in, it in is red deer. salt of the earth <laughs> people down in red deer my career started down in red deer right i met my I wife down in red there, deer yeah. her parents used to live in sylvan lake so i feel like this is uh this is a return to a bunch of familiar faces and i can't wait to get out there so a huge shout out to everybody that's going to meet us out there. We got a big show today. Probably some of the energy infused as well. We've got Rachel Notley on the show to the, lead, yeah. the uh, leader of Alberta's official opposition, obviously former premier of Alberta. Um, we've been wanting to talk to her for a while, uh, you know, post election basically. And, and there's been a lot going on, and it's the summer months and yada yada yada. But it's kind of all hands on deck right now for the Alberta NDP because of this big story down out of Calgary, this medical clinic that's that's uh, basically charging for memberships. The yeah. CBC broke this story earlier this week, uh, and now the government. Government of Alberta, the province has directed Alberta Health to investigate. Uh, this Calgary clinic that's charging membership fees. This is the Marta Loop Medical Clinic. They're basically charging for two adults, uh, 5000 bucks a year. It's a little bit less than that for one adult. You can tack on your kid. There's different ways to do it. Uh, they leave one day a week set aside uh, for non-membership-based medical consults and okay. appointments. Um, a lot of people are outraged. The Alberta NDP is really digging in on this one. And to this point, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith has said, we're going to ensure, we're going to look into this and ensure that the clinic is following the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be the, the smart place to start. Is what they're doing legal or illegal? Now, is it right or wrong could be a different answer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right and legal or wrong and illegal aren't always the exact same thing. Is, mm-hmm. is this ethically or morally wrong? Is, is, this, is this based on how Canadians feel about access to universal health care, mm-hmm. uh, is this something that's going to turn into a way bigger story than maybe the owners and the practitioners at the Marta Loop Medical Clinic thought? That's oh, what we're going to sure find it out. Will be. This this rubs me the wrong way. This is like me waiting in line for a nightclub. And those guys get out of a limo and they go right to the front of the line and they toss the bouncer at 20 and they get in first. And yeah. I'm like, hey, I've been here for two hours trying to get in. Yeah, just, fair it enough. It just doesn't rub me the right way. Fair enough. Um, oh, to use the nightclub example. <laughs> well, I anything. Get into this. A restaurant. So let's, so let's say that you've got this nightclub mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a really healthy nightclub. There's a lineup outside every door and they're doing big revenues. Every day. And they're employing a bunch of people and then the district starts to grow mm. where that nightclub is because other potential nightclub sure. owners, they see all this activity and they see that you can make good money in nightclub ownership and the future looks bright. So then they have the confidence to open a nightclub next door and then 
other people come. And then the next thing you know, you have a nightclub and and entertainment district Mm -hmm. and you're attracting people and you're attracting entrepreneurs that wouldn't have otherwise opened a nightclub all because they saw a great opportunity. Sure. Can can you roll with me on this one? I don't know if Rachel Notley's going to roll her eyes if we and, use the nightclub example. <laughs> well, I think the nightclub will be called Club Med, first of all. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I can see where you're coming from. You know, there are there are some other clinics though, uh, and there are some other businesses that are that are that are operating like this. There's the Albert NDP was talking about this yesterday and uh, and we'll get into it with uh with Notley in about uh, 25 minutes. By the way, also going to talk to registered psychologist Kim Knoll today about this Jonah Hill story. Uh, I know that that yeah. was developing a, a number of days ago. A, an ex-partner of his basically went public with mm-hmm. uh, what a lot of people have described as, as uh, abusive or misogynistic or condescend, whatever word you want to use for it. Uh, basically, private messages between him and her as they were establishing this relationship and then mm-hmm. dating. Uh, what would you say the gist of it? I don't want to get too far off the healthcare story, but basically he was saying like, if you're going to be with me, you can't, and she's a pro surfer. Yeah. You can't post photos in bikinis. You can't be hanging out with other male surfers. Which is impossible for her. Right. Uh, But yeah, he basically, here's Jonah Hill was the only one in the world that wanted her to stop (laughs) posting bikini shots. We'll dive deeper into it, but here's the one that everyone kind of has a problem with. And people are going both ways. He basically gave her kind of a list of things he doesn't want in a relationship, which a lot of people, especially on Twitter, now X, uh, were saying, hey, this is completely, you know, fine. If if you are upfront with someone and tell someone the things you don't want in a relationship. On the other hand, we're in a day and age where I think people should be free to do what they want, especially when you got two celebrities. You're going to tell a celebrity or a pro surfer that they can't do photo ops and bikinis and things like that well, when it's a bunch their of people profession. Would, yeah, well, and it seems a little bit silly, and, and I bet you also that a lot of people would, would say uh, it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not. It's mm. it's just an inappropriate way to communicate with somebody else. I don't, you know, I kind of have, uh, you know, I, there's a whole lot going on here. Not a good way to kick off a relationship is well, what I'm saying. And it's just it's on one hand, you know, Hill has put out this this this. Act. He's obviously a, a he's been a very popular actor yeah. for many many years, and a lot of people have celebrated. Um, I don't know if if the if the phrase body positivity is is the right phrase to use or the right word, mm-hmm. but he has lived out loud to a certain degree. Sure, uh, he's recently released that documentary on his. I was just going to mention that, so we know he has mental health issues. So, but also the, people have said good on him. Yeah. For, for normal therapy and you know whether or not you're a fan of the film yeah i saw it though and i get it so maybe to me i can see how one side of the argument is he's putting up boundaries right away but on the other side i can see how he went a little too far with it. we'll get into more of the text they they're it's not a good look you yeah, know that yeah yeah, yeah. 80s fan of, yeah so we'll see what psychologist kim canal has to say about mm-hmm. that she's also uh working uh, doing a lot of work around uh, guilt and how we respond to guilt and conflict resolution and mm-hmm. i think it's just going to be a great uh, you know sometimes in the summer shows we want to just have a conversation that just breathes with somebody so we're going to get into that love to hear from 80s fanify shout out to them on our live chat says looks like i picked a good day to check in again shout out to my grandma new subscriber new listener come on Shirley bickle all the way from beautiful curtis ontario just outside the uh, gta shirley bickle shirley bickle can i call her grandma too you think she'd mind We call her Nana, but yeah. Nana. I love that. <laughs> well, shout out to Nana. Yeah, shout out to everybody that's uh, that's been subscribing to our YouTube channel and the podcast Going as up, well. Up, we up. really appreciate it. 
Uh, so, so bringing it back to the healthcare discussion, we'll go here with Rachel Notley. Yeah, and in just a second, we'll talk about the federal cabinet shuffle, and we're going to talk about UFOs, by the way, because they're, they're really real. I but don't know. Who didn't? Oh, come on. Yes, you do uh, we can know. Get into of this, course there's aliens. Of course there impossible. are. I'm going to talk about Harrison Healthcare and their model in just a second. The, uh, the NDP invoked that yesterday as an example. This is a business. Um, it's, it's a legal and legitimate business that operates in Alberta and BC, so that, that invokes two provincial jurisdictions, which makes it especially interesting. A membership-based service, but this is kind of more like a lifestyle and wellness mm. uh, service that they provide. Uh, before we go any further on that, Johnny, I, I just wanted to remind our audience members that certified financial planners in Canada right now are earning well into the six figures, and the demand for this profession in particular is really growing fast, which is awesome news. You have a chance. Uh, if you're looking for a change of pace, maybe a new opportunity, maybe you're one of our younger audience members that's at that point right now. Everybody's going, so what are you going to do now? What are you thinking of doing next? You can become a certified financial planner, a CFP with Business Career College. You could launch your own business, earn great money, and help people achieve their financial goals. Business Career College is the best place to get your CFP with online courses, expert instructors to help you through, and decades of experience helping students succeed. You can learn more today by visiting businesscareercollege.com. wonder if Nana is going to be able to figure out the chat. <laughs> well, you're going to have to start... Being on, you're going to have to operate on your best behavior now if your grandma's tuning yeah. into the show. Might have to be on my phone here. Clean, Nana? Up, clean up the language a little bit. Go down into the box. Click it. Oh, she's, <laughs> if she's already subscribing to YouTube channels, she yeah. sounds like, she, you know, she's as, as they say, uh, one of my favorite lines on Days and Confused sounds like a hip, hip lady. <laughs> Just like Martha Washington. You know what I mean? So this, uh, so here's here's the gist of of, of the business and, and that Harrison Healthcare provides. So yes, they do have medical doctors. Obviously, I'm not speaking on behalf of this business. I've just been poking around on their website, learning a little bit about it because you know politicians were talking about them yesterday. It's a personalized private health service, but they've got things like you know dietitians and nutritionists and massage therapists mm-hmm. and, and all kinds of services. Now, th- there's a very important distinction when you're talking about health and wellness. In the context of what is covered in Canada, and in particular, we'll talk about, I have the most familiarity, obviously, with our home jurisdiction of Alberta. There are Mm -hmm. insured services and there are uninsured services. And so there's got to be, I think that this conversation has to start at the very beginning, a difference between our expectations around universal access to insured services and universal access to uninsured services, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I would love to have unlimited massage but that is not Not an insured service if i was able to afford a membership to some private swanky club that included daily free massage good for me but not everybody reasonably can expect uh you know a membership or access that type of service Mm -hmm. if you're talking about basic doctor's appointments annual physicals you know emergency care uh in a scenario where something's going sideways Mm -hmm. i think most canadians would agree that we don't like the idea of you know someone with more money getting the service more quickly than somebody without not at all and then we're going to see more of these places pop up and what if they become more prevalent than your regular doctor's office down the street that's what i'm afraid of right 
yeah. then these people are getting better care than everyone else. And but I, I I do see where you're coming from. If people want to, people go down to the states and get surgeries if they're waiting in line up here. They're yeah. they're more then they're they're allowed to do that. Is that right? something so, you're okay with? Like, do you feel if some if somebody says I can't wait or I don't want to wait eighteen months for a knee replacement? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go pay. I'm making the number up off the top of my head. I'm going to go pay twenty one thousand mm-hmm. at a clinic down in Scottsdale um, and 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 recover it at our you know our condo on the mm-hmm. golf course. Then fill your boots, right? I, in, I, in my mind, it clears up a spot on the surgery waiting list in Alberta. Hundred percent. And I'm not going to tell someone who needs immediate medical, uh, you know, you know, help and surgery who may possibly be facing death or whatever that they shouldn't you know, take their money that they've hard earned and go somewhere and get immediate help. That's yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's their prerogative. So final buzzer on our live chat. Another great handle says, so hang on a second. So medical clinics can basically work a loophole by hiring a massage therapist, which is a really fair question. Like, you know, final buzzer kind of cuts right to the chase. Final buzzer, I wonder, maybe a lawyer or something, maybe mm-hmm. an experienced debater. They saw an opportunity to get to the heart of the matter and they did exactly that. Because can I hire five physicians, one dietitian, one massage therapist, and a hairstylist, and then open a new lifestyle clinic, charge you $7,500 a year, and wink, wink, nudge, nudge, make sure that. Anytime you need to see a medical doctor, that happens in between your health and wellness or your holistic health services. I don't know. At the same time, and pardon me for this, because this is a little bit tacky. Not everybody loves this. But if we look at healthcare or part of healthcare, the administration of it, the, the physician recruitment and retention of it, the bottom line of it as a business, and this is where people wince. Right. This is where some people don't like it when you refer to a, a premier as the CEO of a province or that's why they don't like it when when oftentimes it's more conservative politicians that will start talking about running their managing their portfolios like a business. Mm-hmm. People don't like it because they'll say government can't operate like a business. You're mm-hmm. not looking to make a profit. I don't think anyone wants medical run as a business, especially in Alberta. You got one in five Albertans don't have a family doctor, especially I'm one of them. Man, we talk to the mayors out in the rural regions. They're having big problems. My fear is that the good doctors are going to go to these places because they're going to pay them more. But if we, okay, okay, yeah. And if we start looking at this though as well uh, and what we spend on healthcare, just in the province of Alberta alone, approximately-ish, we spend half of our budget a year. We spend approximately-ish $25 billion a year on healthcare. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have cost overruns. We have bloated services. Anybody in the system will tell you that things get held up at middle management. Now, everybody is obviously going to defend themselves regardless, you know, depending on where they work in the system. But there are a lot of issues. And some people will say maybe healthcare does need to be run a little bit more like a business. And maybe this is some. Here's my position on this. I want to I want to hear it. I want to say, number one, I'm not as pissed off about this story in Calgary as some people are. That's the first thing I'll say. Okay. I also don't think it's 100 percent okay. Okay, so I'm somewhere in the middle there. I think I'm in the same. What I would acknowledge is I would say if we acknowledge that our system is in trouble and that there are shortfalls and shortcomings, I would hope that on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, I would hope that there is a commitment from our politicians, let alone our administrators, to to examine the viability of and to consider different options that may help ease some of the pressures and some of the strains on the healthcare system. Sure. But politically it is, and I hesitate to use the word, but I mean it and I will use it intentionally. Politically, it is 
virtually suicidal in Canada to start musing about private health care delivery. hundred yeah. percent. It's, it's, it's almost <laughs> suicidal politically uh, in this country, including right here in Alberta. So you can let us know what you think. I'm going to do my best to keep an eye on the live chat when we're talking to Rachel Notley. That's coming up in, in you know about 12 minutes from now. Uh, but uh, we're going to get her take on this. And, and, and how far are they willing to go? Plus, obviously, we're going to ask her about her own political future. Uh, it's not something we're going to spend all of our time on. And everybody seems to want to talk to her today about these medical clinics. We've so got lots to so we got like about. 15 minutes hard out. And, and so, you know. Let's also acknowledge the passing of uh, one of music's all-time greats, uh, Sinead O'Connor. The the first one, I just learned this yesterday. I had no idea. The first woman in history to win an MTV, to win Music Video of the Year. Yeah. And uh, just that voice. I feel like she's left off, you know, when they do the the, the, the best voices of all time. Yeah. Rolling Stone best does vocalist. all this. I feel like she's never on there. And she was like a songbird back in when I was growing up, at least. That voice was just iconic. When you heard Nothing Compares to You, the start, the first note, it was just amazing. And yeah, really sad. Of course, we know her, her teen son committed suicide and she was going through mental health issues she had a show here in edmonton actually 2015 at folk fest she canceled because of that so i mean nothing is for sure but we're 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 thinking maybe this was you know well we don't know an end to her mental health struggles. what i thought was really interesting is that is that all of the feedback and and you were hearing from music's all-time living legends all commenting on her passing yesterday, acknowledging two things almost in their first or second sentence. Uh, One of them was just her absolute brilliance Mm -hmm. as a performer and as a cultural icon. I mean, uh, and the, and the other was, was her struggles through the course of her life and, and, uh, and and the mental health struggles that she oftentimes spoke very openly about, Mm -hmm. uh, which she deserves a ton of credit for. And of course we all remember the ripping of the, Man, Picture of the Pope up on a, SNL. That was like you know, I I, I stack <laughs> that up with and and I, I'm just taking one at random. But one mm-hmm. of my memories as a younger guy growing up, like that to me resonated like Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall, totally. like Ronald Reagan. I mean, that was like a moment mm-hmm. when she tore up the photo of, of Pope John Paul II on Saturday Night Live. And you wonder there there are people that were like that really stuck their necks out there. And maybe didn't fully comprehend at the time exactly how significant the impact of their action would be. Mm-hmm. Like Hannibal Burris, when he first went on stage and decided to just give the people real talk about Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that stand up comedian there. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure he knew he was going to get people's attention, but what he did was get a, an, an avalanche started. Uh, and Sinead O'Connor tearing up the photo of the Pope, like, 15 years before anybody else was speaking openly and critically about, about the Catholic, the Catholic Church, Church. Yeah. and I saw a bunch of SNL people talking about that night and they said it was one of the most memorable <clears throat> sorry nights in uh, SNL history Rob Schneider actually said that he wasn't there and didn't know that she had ripped up the photo he was backstage during the performance but he came out on stage and did three more sketches in the evening and he had these little tricks he would do little moves little voices little sounds back in the day that he knew 100% would get laughs okay and he came out and tried a few in the sketch and he he, he didn't understand what was happening no one was laughing and he made this really cool uh, metaphor or comparison where he said at on snl there's kind of this um unspoken handshake between the audience and the actors where like 
this is all, you know, a fantasy. We're, we're all allowed to like let loose and just laugh and pretend for a while. And what she did was like break that wall. Mm. And everyone just thought, okay, things have gotten too real. And he said it was impossible to get a laugh the, the rest of the night. He says he remembers that show more than any other in his career. Can so. you imagine if there would have been Twitter then? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Because we didn't like. There'd be people on both did, sides. What did, what did right? we even do? People probably ran to their landlines and like called yeah. their friends. Well, and- I remember back then it was mostly backlash. People didn't like it, right? But, but, but she I mean, was- people still wouldn't like it. Some people still wouldn't like it but today. But today, people would be like, well, you well, know, she has a point, right? Yeah. No kidding. Uh, in just a second, do you believe in UFOs? No! Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you know I absolutely 100% do, and I always have. I have always believed in intelligent life outside of planet Earth. I aliens. Think, I do you think, believe in aliens? Absolutely, UFOs 100%. are just unidentified flying objects. Could be light in the sky. Could Both. Be anything. I believe in UFOs piloted okay. by aliens, oh, if I you believe. want me to get specific. Uh, if you've ever, I mean, what do I mean, if you've ever? Of course you've seen <laughs> photos from, what's the new Hubble? The Hubble's like the old one now, yeah. but like these new the, telescopes the new, yeah. like that are just mind-blowing, that are helping us better understand the origins of the universe. How can you look out into that expanse mm-hmm. and believe this tiny little speck of dust called planet Earth is the only one? I, I'm not There's saying no that. There's no way. Okay, coming up in just a second. <laughs> But first, I wanted to thank every single one of you who made sure to get your early bird 50-50 tickets yesterday by the noon deadline in support of YWCA Edmonton at K-Days. But here's the good news. If you missed out yesterday, yeah, you're not going to get your shot at the WestJet flight for two anywhere they fly, but you could still win a whole ton of cash. We are so excited for our friends at YWCA Edmonton having been chosen as the partner this year. It's all the way through K-Days, all the way through till July 30th. They are the 50-50 partner this year, which which means a ton of uh, funding, which goes a long way in helping them deliver these amazing services that they do. It's simple. You don't even have to be down on the grands to get your 50-50 tickets. If you are down at K-Days, make sure you pick them up. But otherwise, it's easy. Just go to k-days.com slash 50-50. We'll put the link in the show notes. Get your 50-50 tickets for K-Days in support of YWCA Edmonton. Our friends at California Closets want to remind you that, well, yeah, everybody obviously knows them and knows them well for their custom closets and their storage solutions for the entire home. I mean, who hasn't seen a California Closets installation and gone, oh my gosh. You know what I mean? I spent like five minutes at the closet doors. You know those like cabinet doors? You can just slam them and then they <laughs> slowly close. Yeah. You do the same thing with the drawers. You slam your sock drawer and it slowly closes. But they do garages, too. A lot of times, I think people overlook their garage, right? You know, the home looks great, but then the garage is where, like, the skates are on the floor next to the motor oil. You don't even know where your bike chain lube is, and, and never mind the shovel or the broom. California Closets can help you get your garage working for you. You can request your free consultation today at californiaclosets.ca. Hey, can we roll the video of the uh, the uh, machinery in our backyard, Johnny? I wanted to give Real Talkers a bit of a sneak peek here. We've been telling you about this I- installation, our backyard. Complete overhaul. Eden Landscaping's helping us out. I guess we hired them, what, about a year ago? And that's when we started the planning phases. So this is so exciting for us to see this really happening. Uh, and we're going to be showing you over the next few weeks the progress through this project. And then, of course, we'll unveil the finished product. 
Well, I'm even going to swallow my pride a little bit at some point, Johnny, and show Real Talkers how bad the yard was at the beginning. <laughs> you get two big dogs in a backyard for a number of years, and, well, if you know, you know. And so we're super excited to put this plan in place. The best part about it is that they're doing it on a budget, a modest budget for our family, to be honest, and they can do the same for you. You can find Eden Landscaping online at landscapeedmonton.ca. And we've been talking a lot about the oil and gas industry. We've been talking a lot about methane, about emissions, about net zero targets. We've been talking to conservative and liberal politicians about this. Industry is responding as well in a direct way. You know that the oil sands industry has high emissions. It's, you know, one of the significant carbon emitters in Canada. So the six largest companies are working together and with governments. Uh, Ministers Boissonneau and Gibo told us about this to take strides on the path to net zero from their operations. You can hear those interviews from last week. Part of their plan includes developing a proposed carbon capture and storage network by 2030. It's going to be one of the world's largest, and you can learn more at pathwaysalliance.ca. All right. James, what's it called? Uh, James Webb Space Telescope is the one you're That's the new one. Yeah. And this is the one that, that makes Hubble kind of look relatively primitive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're saying that we're looking at um, images, like what it's capturing. They're saying these are like billions and billions. It's a peak into billions of years ago. Mm-hmm. I would never know what to do with that data, right? Like you, you, you learn it all, you see it all, but what do you do with it? Yeah. That's why we're so lucky there are people smarter than us. Well, the other thing is, and now this is what we're talking about, there's a lot of stuff that's being withheld from the public and potential stuff that i don't know the jargon they're using i'm like just tell us what you mean by non-human this and you know there's going to be people that haven't heard about what we're talking about because yesterday so kevin spacey is is found uh is is acquitted on nine charges by the way i want to give a shout out to a real talker Kristen, um who who reached out to me privately although i think this is on the record i don't think she'll care um she says this spacey segment uh, on on the show we let off with it yesterday we had just learned he had just been found not guilty on nine charges by a london jury she says i'm listening now and i have many thoughts i said go on she says not guilty doesn't mean innocent Um, And I said, true, she says, and I think that on these issues, it's important to remember power differentials. Uh, She says, Kevin Spacey was always going to be fine. She says, Harvey Weinstein was not the norm. We mentioned Harvey Weinstein yesterday, Roman Polanski as well, and others. Mm -hmm. You can check out our YouTube short. Nice job on the YouTube short, by the way, yesterday, Johnny. Uh, She says, but I do think it's an important topic for Real Talk to dive into. What now? Not just Kevin Spacey, but the issue in general. And so I commit to Kristen and the rest of you that that we certainly will. Mm -hmm. You said the same thing, though. You said not guilty doesn't mean innocent. Yeah. For people who didn't see, here it is. Mel Gibson had a pretty high-profile disaster. He didn't work for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh and then he came back. Never really, never really was he the Mel Gibson again. No. There have been other actors who have never worked again. There have been some actors who have never paid the price at all, like mm-hmm. Roman Polanski, the famed director course, yeah. and major Hollywood player. You look at Harvey Weinstein, obviously a total disaster. Bill Cosby. Um, you wonder if Kevin Spacey's name will remain in the sentences with those names or if we will see him. Obviously a formidable force on screen. An incredible actor. There's no doubt about that. But will the court of public opinion acquit Kevin Spacey? And will a studio be willing to put tens or hundreds of millions of dollars at risk putting a movie out there with his name in lights again? 
I don't know. He claims that there are studios lined up. He says there's a whole bunch of people ready to go. We'll see. We'll see. And it's got people talking as well about, about a burden of proof. And, mm. and Spacey's comments yesterday outside the courtroom were brief. He basically said, I want to thank the jury sincerely for taking. I mean, he's an actor. Also, keep that in mind. Anytime an actor is in front of cameras, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he basically said for taking the time to carefully weigh the evidence. And he was pretty deliberate in the words that he said sure. and the words that he chose. Um, we're going to make a, I want to make a quick call here because I don't want to keep uh, Rachel Notley waiting. And we have precious time with her. And, and so I don't want to run that over with UFO talk. So I promise you we'll, we'll get to that it. right after. <laughs> and then what we'll do is this will be a perfect intro to Kim Knoll, registered psychologist that joins us. We'll, we'll, we'll open with the very serious Do You Believe in Aliens talk. <laughs> and then we can get into the other stuff from there. Um, wanted to let everybody know that it's a big weekend at Friesen Brothers coming up. And you're going to be there. Have you decided Huge. if you're going on the Saturday or the Sunday, the 29th or the 30th? So we're going on the Sunday. We're going at 4 p.m. We're going to be lined up for the vegan buffet. It so is cool. going to be. I've got all my friends who are in the plant-based kind of realm here in Edmonton. Even some who aren't. Who are just like, I love Friesen anyways. I was yeah. going on Sunday for to get my groceries. I'm going to check this out. 25 bucks all you can eat yeah. I'm starving myself all day and I love this because Friesen Brothers I think everybody knows they started more than 65 years ago still family owned which is an amazing business success story they started as a butcher shop mm-hmm. but they've really and while they've cut no corners and while they still lead the way uh, with their master butchers they have really embraced uh, the vegan lifestyle the produce is out of this world you know what I mean they've made that real commitment and so we want to let you know that it's, this is only at the South Edmonton store Rabbit Hill the 29th and 30th of July. That's this weekend from 4 to 8 p.m. It's the vegan feast and all-you-can-eat buffet. Like Johnny said, vegan lasagna, vegan shepherd's pie, and a whole bunch of other stuff. A full salad bar, just 25 bucks a person. Check out Friesen.com slash vegan. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com slash vegan. I saw they're breaking ground on the new one, too. Yeah, man. 42nd Street. Yeah, right? we yeah. can't wait for that to open. I know they're trying to get it open by Christmas, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen. They're, they, they, I, our family, this is like three minutes from our house. The traffic <laughs> circle on in Edmonton, for those of you locals, 142nd and 107th Ave. Woo! It's going to be location number 17. Uh, speaking of multiple locations, I don't know why I tried so hard on that segue. I didn't have to. <laughs> I could have just turned the page. Our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want us to put a couple of things on your radar. Number one, if you're heading to an anniversary celebration, if you're headed to a birthday party, maybe someone's retirement, whatever it is, enjoy layers of celebration with a DQ cake. Any occasion is a happy occasion with a DQ cake. The other thing, mark August 10th on your calendar, okay? This is Thursday, August 10th. This is Miracle Treat Day. And our friends at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road want you to know that they're ready, taking advance orders already. You know the deal here, right? You order blizzards and all proceeds. They're, they're not, they are not—they don't cut corners. There's no small print here. Basically, every cent that they collect here is going to the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. So if you're like back to work, if you have an office full of people, or maybe you're headed to the beach with the kids or whatever it is, you can pre-order like 20 or 30 or 40 blizzards. Heck, pre-order 200 of them and go hand them out to people on your favorite main drag. Whatever it is, all proceeds to the stallery. You can check in with your Dairy Queen locations. That's the Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park locations. And our friends at Apex Automation, before we talk UFOs, politics, and the like, want you to know that they're hiring right now. If you happen to be a professional engineer, we're talking to you. Maybe this is your first time ever listening to this show. 
and you've been so sick and tired of your current situation at work, you don't feel challenged, you don't feel appreciated, you are the exact person that Apex Automation wants to talk to. Uh, They're leading the way in automation, engineering, fabrication, and industry 4.0 across the Prairie Provinces into BC, down in Texas, and their team is growing fast. Regardless of your experience, in other words, if you're year one or year 31, they'd love to connect with you. You can check out the careers link at apexautomation.ca. She's here. She's here. Let's get to it. Everybody wants to talk to Rachel Notley today. Number one, because you don't often get the high profile politicians in the middle of summer. And number two, because there's a big story out of Calgary that's making news, a medical clinic that's charging membership fees. Obviously, this is something that's rubbing the Alberta NDP the wrong way. It's a pleasure to welcome their leader, Rachel Notley, back to the show. Thanks for making time for us. I hope your summer's been all right so far. It's been pretty good. How about yours? Yeah, not too bad. I, I, I don't know. I, this, I, I'll just throw cliches at you. It's like, I can't believe it's half done already. I, you know, trying mm-hmm. to squeeze it all in, all that kind of stuff. You did the, the pancake flipping circuit and all that stuff at the Stampede. Yeah. I'm sure you've been down at K-Days doing, doing the whole nine yards. Do you ever, get, uh, do you ever just go totally off the radar? Uh, getting ready to do that for a little bit, actually, uh, fairly soon. Yeah. Going to head out on a little trip with the family, uh, in August. So nice. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, listen, we've got limited time with you. We appreciate your availability. So let's get, get right to this. Uh, this might be obvious, but I don't want to take that for granted. What especially, I mean, it seems to me like every, uh, every member of, of your part, every elected MLA right now with the Alberta NDP is sounding the alarm. They're tweeting, they're talking about this story, uh, first broken by the CBC down on Monday. Monday after a couple of Calgarians, just regular citizens, I guess, must have called a journalist. I'm assuming that's how that story started. Joel Dryden reporting on it. Uh, the Marta Loop Medical Clinic charging about 5000 bucks for a membership for two adults for the year. Uh, what especially uh, sticks out at you? What's especially egregious here? Why are you particularly, in my vernacular, pissed off about this? Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, because the, the the way uh, a lot of the way that this sort of came to light was was in fact uh, it, it was um, people reaching out to uh, a couple of our Calgary MLAs about it, and so we were raising the alarm. But the concern about this is really basic. Uh, in the election, uh, Danielle Smith said Albertans will not have to pay to see a family doctor. They will not have to reach into their pocket and use their credit card, their debit card or whatever else uh, in order to see a family doctor. And what we're seeing is the growth of these kinds of clinics and and this clinic in Martaloup that's just opening up where what do you have to do to get access to a family doctor? You have to pay uh, quite a considerable fee, members only medicine, basically. Now, some folks will say, oh, well, you know, this kind of arrangement has been there before. Uh, the difference is 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 twofold. First of all, we're seeing a tremendous proliferation of these clinics now. Uh, second, it's actually threefold. Secondly, um, the the law on who has the ability to clamp down on these and what tools can be used was finally uh, clarified uh, by the Supreme Court of Canada in April of this year, right before the election. And thirdly, uh, because there is a dramatic shortage now of family doctors and because the UCP had so aggressively screwed up lab services, especially in Calgary, um, access to those things is now a different kind of commodity than it was, say, five or 10 years ago. And so now it means that for people to get those basic services, they are now looking at having to pay these ridiculous fees to get access. So... 
could something like this, and I almost know that you're going to look at me and say, you don't expect me to answer this question. You, what are you expecting me to say here, Jesperson? But could something like this, could a story like this potentially attract physicians from outside the province? Could physicians see opportunity? Could this be used as a recruitment tool? Could we see a flood of new interest in bringing medical talents to the province of Alberta? No, that's a ridiculous argument. And I know you're not making that argument. I know a few other people and particularly the uh, premier has historically made that argument. And it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, we've been talking to family doctors all across the board for quite some time. And what they want to be able to do is is uh, give give uh, good service to their patients. And and uh, this idea that we would create two tiered health care and that uh, doctors would have to say no to people who needed health care because they hadn't paid their $5,000 membership fee. The vast majority of people that I know who are going into medicine these days would, would, would suffer moral injury being in that position. So um, there, it is a, a very small group of folks who would ever think that that somehow is a great opportunity for them. And, uh, and moreover, the, 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 the knockoff effect, the cascading effect in terms of the overall deterioration of the quality of healthcare and the quality of health of Albertans would make it even harder to practice uh, medicine here in the province. Would, would you agree that because, and this is a good thing, I mean, everybody looks at Tommy Douglas and the history of, of, of universal healthcare in Canada. I mean, he was, you know, voted, what is it, I guess, probably 15 years ago now, but, but like as he was just like yesterday the, the, yeah. the greatest canadian and why was it it was because essentially of of what he did on health care i mean and that that says uh, i think more than anything else that that's one of canadians top priorities if not canada's top priority but by treating that as as a bit of a sacred cow do you think that 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 we've put ourselves in a position with our backs against the wall that we can't examine or discuss or explore a many, a myriad of opportunities to to help get the healthcare system out of trouble where we see it, including things like wait lists. Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think the the problem is is that we get distracted from the bread and butter uh, work that needs to be done to make sure that that uh, Albertans and Canadians get access to the healthcare they need by all these uh, self interested constant efforts to find ways to to uh, grow the level of private financing in the delivery of our healthcare. So what happens is, and particularly in Alberta, we've seen it over and over and over again: conservative government after conservative government. Is are constantly tweaking to find ways to, to let people make money off of our healthcare system. And by doing that, they create chaos, they create uncertainty, and they undermine uh, the quality of healthcare. And right now, we do know that across the board, there, you know, we've just come through a pandemic that has put tremendous pressure on our healthcare system. We know what we need to do. We need to be working on, uh, uh, you know, primary care clinics, family, family, team medicine for family medicine, you know, every Everybody across the country agrees that that is the strategy to get this done. We need to bring more family doctors in. We need to deal with the ridiculous barriers between foreign trained health professionals and their ability to practice here in Alberta. And in certain cases, we need to properly fund the, the services that are provided. So uh, it's not actually nuclear science. It's basic, uh, practical uh, hard work that is constantly um, ignored uh, in search of these quick fixes and the opportunity for certain groups to make money off the system. Why is this something that wasn't one of your top priorities between 2015 and 2019? 
Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, what we did when we were in government was we brought stability, a tremendous amount of stability back to the system. We invested in the system. And and uh, most folks who were working in the system said, you know, agreed that that we were making progress and we were starting to to uh, um, get um, uh, a, a lot of good outcomes. But in terms of these types of clinics, the, the issue is, is different. First of all, the law around what you could do to clamp down on these loopholes was still not clear. And as I said, it became clear in this April. Um, and secondly, because uh, these types of member-only clinics were, operate, were not operating in the face of this dramatic, scary shortage of doctors and the completely messed up uh, situation with our labs um they could they could operate and and in a way that didn't have the unintended consequence of essentially forcing people to pay to get access to a family doctor so the environment has changed dramatically that being said we had started an investigation into the canby clinic uh, under my government uh but we ran out of time okay uh, i have time for one more question with you i don't get the sense that you're walking away from provincial politics in in the next two months so why don't we put that question on the shelf we'll get to that the next time we chat I want to put one last one in front of you. We've been talking a lot about environmental liabilities. We've been talking a lot about orphan wells uh, and the like, and people can check out our shows over the last 10 days or so to get to that. Uh, yesterday, uh, a, a Real Talk audience member, I'm assuming, maybe not, maybe he's just a critic by the name of Jamie Peterson, uh, kind of put orphan wells on on you. And I wanted to give, you know, when do I have a chance to have you here on the show the next day to respond? He, he says, well, well, Rachel Notley, uh, in combination with the prime minister, with Trudeau, put in an arbitrary pipeline capacity which landlocked gas in Alberta. This caused several companies to go bankrupt, put thousands of wells and into the fund. So go thank Notley. Kenny fixed it, but the damage was done. Uh, I wanted to give you a chance to respond to that. Well, there's there's a lot that's factually incorrect in there. Um, we, of course, were the government that uh, that did all the work to get TMX approved. So the first pipeline uh, to Tidewater in 50 years is uh, something that our government delivered. That that's the reality. Um, secondly, um, the the uh, the uh, orphan well crisis is something that is built up over forty years of of uh, failing to hold uh, these companies accountable. It's not something that happened overnight. It's something that's that's at least forty years old. Um, and and so um, yeah, that's that that that's all I can say about it. We actually bought rail cars in order to to move um, uh, oil and gas more quickly. And then Kenny actually sold it, and then we ended up with a with an export uh, capacity problem as a result. Um, so uh, quite the opposite. We did everything we could to move oil as quickly as we could because we understood that uh, if we didn't do that, that the differential would explode and uh, Albertans would get less value for the resources that we all own. And because we understand that that's a public trust, we were doing everything we could to, to enhance capacity, uh, export capacity. Thanks for putting that on the record. I respect your time and schedule, so we'll pick this up next time we chat. Thanks very much. Thank you. You got it. That's the leader of Alberta's NDP, Rachel Notley. Obviously, I have 55 more questions. But, Johnny, if we go way over time with her, then their team is not going to let us talk to her again. Exact same thing with <laughs> Danielle Smith. Well, we, we got to just stick to it. Uh, we've, we've we've been around the block a couple of times. And, and if you keep, they've got rigid schedules, so if you keep them. But, but. Uh, We'll have a conversation with Rachel Notley about her own political future, to be sure, coming up. All right, we've, we've, we've buried the lead, 
<laughs> buried the lead today. Uh, yeah, there was a cabinet shuffle yesterday, sure. And uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Medical clinics charging membership fees. And, and yeah, Kevin Spacey's uh, acquitted. But, but, but aliens. But aliens, bro. Uh, <laughs> this was once, I guess, just, you know, limited for the most part to, to the conspiracy theory crowd, to the, to the tinfoil hat crowd. But um, extraterrestrial life is, is having its moment in the spotlight in a way. Uh, in Congress, in a much-anticipated House hearing just yesterday, uh, a whistleblower uh, testified that the U.S. government has recovered uh, basically non-human remains from the wreckage of an aircraft of non-human origin. Uh, we're going to play the video first, and, and then we'll get into this. This is David Grush that you're about to hear from. He's a former military and intelligence officer who first went forward with his allegations in June. And here's what he put on the record in front of this Congress uh, congressional committee yesterday. You stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries, yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay, so, and, and you may or may not be able to answer my last question, and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but who in the government either what agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there? I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And, and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. Super. Thank you. And I yield back. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. You love this. Oh, I you do love, love this. I do love this. <laughs> and, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm a person, I'm, 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 a, I'm a skeptic and a cynic, mm. but that to me sounds like somebody that's pretty confident mm. that he has heard from reputable sources or seen firsthand evidence that we are not alone. Yeah, but what, it, what it, biological, is it just some DNA they found? Is it, you know, is it a drone piloted alien spacecraft? Here's what I know. And he I would have just said that if that's what that was. He didn't, though. He avoided it. He just said he found biological evidence. It could be anything. It could be a fingernail. I don't know. But, like... I don't want to get into the whole debate of, of why I think aliens can't reach planet Earth. Okay, speed of light, you know, expanding universe, oh, space-time continuum. You can't put human restraints on unhuman or non-human entities. But I'm saying we would see them with a telescope by now, or they would have made it here. One thing I do know about aliens, if, if, if they have made it here, and if they are trying to make it here, Ryan, is they're really bad at piloting their own spacecraft. <laughs> 
because not they, if they've only they crashed once. <laughs> not if they've only crashed once. I mean, um, what if they're all, so so here's so he was joined yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grush was by Ryan Graves, who's a former U.S. fighter pilot who described routine interactions. Mm-hmm. Routine interactions, yeah. As well as David Fravor, who's a retired Navy commander who recalled an encounter in the early 2000s during a routine training mission over the Pacific, where uh, which involved a large white oval-shaped aircraft that made erratic, physics-defying moves before jamming the American aircraft's radar. Yeah, and I heard another one from the same uh, meeting they had. A guy said he was taking off. Former Army specialist pilot, something like that. And he had to make an emergency landing because he almost hit a spherical, like something in the shape of, like spherical shaped see-through. And inside of it was a black cube. If you can imagine that in your mind. I'm and imagining all he, kinds of things. He was in, in a bad right way now. when they found him when he landed the plane, and all he could say was, "I almost hit one of those damn things." So apparently, pilots in the army and and specialists, this happens a lot where they see, they're not sure what they see. Yeah. Um, so he goes on to say, and and I guess we could have played his entire testimony because it's wild. Uh, was asked, "Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technologies?" He says, "Yes, personally." The the question continues: Has anyone been murdered that you know of? He says, "I have to be careful answering that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities." So this is a walking on eggshells type testimony about ufos do you believe do you not i saw somebody here i mean jillian just says to you johnny you must believe i know and i'm talking to them now listen i believe in life in other on other planets in other galaxies i just it's physically impossible for these beings i mean they're not they're not magicians they're not gods they don't know we don't know what they are and that's the other thing like people always think of aliens as like they look like us they've got two arms they've got two legs they've got big head big green eyes whatever but we don't know what they are maybe they move like water vapor maybe they're jellyfish we have no idea right so but i do think if it was if it was at all if it would, if they had anything to gain by coming to planet Earth and doing anything, whether it's harvesting us or communicating with us, they would have done it by now. Is all I'm saying. And I love this I just, from Lou. Check this out in our chat. He says indigenous people from coast to coast to coast have stories of star people dating back well before the first contact with Europeans. That mm-hmm. from Lou. Uh, but even if you think of what Lou is talking about, the time context that's only that's within the last <laughs> thousands of years. Ken just called us Mulder and Scully right now. Well, who's who? Don't take our word for it. Like again, I'm not an expert. I've just I've 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 done my own research. I know hate people hate when you say that, but you know it just seems like <laughs> yeah, it's, done my it, own it's improbable. Uh-huh. It's not impossible, but it's improbable that life from other planets so far away could make it here. You know, unless what? they live I, to be I love you. two thousand years you old, like crazy. But I'm a little disappointed in you right now. I thought you my were, wife is. I thought, I thought you. My were gonna, wife is. A, I thought you were going to dream big with me today. My wife is a is a big UFO alien. She loves it. Right. She's hoping they come down and save us from yeah. all of this nonsense going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Muddy Otter's Pottery says it may be cool to think we're not alone, but chances are they aren't cute. <laughs> chances are they aren't cute little fuckers like E.T. <laughs> They aren't. They Maybe aren't. not. I mean, if they're hostile, if they were hostile by now, 
Uh, we would probably know about it and not in a good way. I appreciate this comment from Justin who says, I believe it's mathematically impossible for intelligent life not to exist somewhere else out there. I just don't know about the odds that they've you know, found or have the means to visit Earth Justin, undetected. you're that 100% Justin. on. I think that that's a, that's a very prudent I mean, there's comment physicists, from Justin. There's, there's doctors. There's all sorts of people who have videos all over the internet saying how, you know, I would love if this was true too, but it's just, it's very improbable. But, Ryan, if they if they wheel out the body, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, man. And I'll be, all, I'll be full on. I'll be on board. Where Believe do you think me. it is? It's in, like, it's in the cryogenic chamber right now, right next to Bigfoot. I, uh, Area 51 or yeah, Area. But- they have all these places underground. They say that they're keeping them. But here's the, the other thing. Don't you think Trump would have blasted about this when he was in office? Doesn't the president have access to all the documents? Well, maybe all that's the, what all those boxes were. Uh, that's the one thing. All when, the boxes in his bathroom <laughs> by the toilet. <laughs> when he became president, I'm like, well, at least we're going to find out about uh, aliens because he's got a huge mouth. He's obviously going to go off about the aliens. Yeah. Right? Um, in just a second, when registered psychologist uh, Kim Knoll joins us, we'll, we'll start off the interview in very serious fashion, asking her whether or not she believes in intelligent life outside of planet Earth. Uh, that coming up, we should also acknowledge, obviously, I mean, this this was a big story. Um, I just don't know that, you know, the average person cares or not, uh, or at least not at this point, but but a significant, I mean, this is for the politicos. Um, and, and of course, this is what the six o'clock broadcast, if anybody watches those anymore, the six o'clock broadcast would have led with the big federal cabinet shuffle yesterday, right? And so this is Justin Trudeau, probably, let, let's call it what it is, uh, shelling the uh, cabinet ministers and the career politicians that are proving to be a liability for him, right? Jettisoning uh, some of those cabinet ministers that have, that have come to represent ministries that are struggling, that are underperforming, that basically are going to hold the liberals back from a, a legitimate chance at forming government again, at, at winning Trudeau's fourth straight election and polling right now. I'm not sure if you saw Abacus data this week, David Coletto pointing out that the conservatives are, are, are out polling the liberals on virtually every measure. Uh, maybe Polyev losing the glasses is working. Uh, maybe Polyev. <laughs> all I'm saying is that all the, the conservatives are making leaps and bound gains uh, with women. They're making leaps and bound gains across the country and the liberals aren't. And so you knew that this government was going to respond. And so a major cabinet shuffle um, <clears throat> Now, this is posturing for an election. Number one, what message does it send? If you're like me, it, it's kind of a mixed message. Like you are completely reinventing your cabinet. But if you need to clean house, what does it say about the state of the house before? And if you acknowledge by cleaning house, like there's a handful of ministers that remain in their portfolios, in their positions. Uh, Stephen Gilbo, the honorable minister who joined us on the show last week, he's still there in environment and climate change. Christia Freeland, who some people view as as the heir apparent to the, to the liberal leadership, federal, federal liberal leadership, stays on as finance minister. So, and, and there are others. And so there's a couple examples. But, but if you acknowledge that by coming in here and absolutely blowing it up, uh, you know, if you had a hockey team, this is how I can speak best in these metaphors. If you had a hockey team that that absolutely in an offseason blew up its roster because the team had been underperforming, but kept on the coaches and the scouts and the management and the trainer and kept the entire management team and the coaching structure in place, would the fans buy it? And so what does this do? Does this give this new cabinet 
enough time, probably enough runway. That's got to be the liberal strategy here uh, to start performing better, to put new faces to portfolios, to reintroduce or for the first time introduce some of these no names, some of these backbenchers that are that are swapping in, they're tagging in. Nobody knows who they are. I mean, I mean, with respect. Uh, so this is an opportunity, I guess, for them to to start getting on the radar of the electorate before the next time Canadians vote. But will this land with Canadians and will this land with you? It's too early to say. It's why we're not going to spend 45 minutes talking about it today, because the dust hasn't even settled here. And it's the middle of the summer. They're not rolling out new bills tomorrow. They're not in the House this afternoon. But we'll take your comments to talk at RyanJesperson.com. And, and obviously, we're going to look to speak to some of these new ministers and the shadow ministers, the conservative MPs that will be opposing them over the next number of weeks. Registered psychologist, what's up, buddy? Nothing. Oh, it just sounded like a good... Oh, I took a breath, sorry. You you were like... (gasps) And I was like... I'm getting ready for this. Hot political take. Registered psychologist Kim Canal coming up in just one minute. But first, I wanted to let you know we're, we're right near the end of July, right? We're like, you got four days till the end of July uh, to qualify to cash in on a July promo at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. So anywhere in Calgary, Edmonton, Central Alberta, they'll deliver to your door. In particular, for the month of July, they're, they're knocking 10 bucks off their pork raw pet food. Those are those 40-pound boxes. Our lab, Monroe, loves this stuff. You're going to want to use the discount code JULY2023 when you're placing your order at checkout. JULY2023. This is a blend of whole Alberta pork, organs, and bone, but the meat is sourced from human-grade facilities, so it's custom-made for dogs with all the nutrients that they need, but the quality is second to none. That's what you get when you go with Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. Generally speaking, outside of those promo codes for the monthly specials the promo code real talk will knock 10 percent off your first time order from grand dog essentials quality raw food if you're an electrician like maybe you're an electrical apprentice you're looking for a career in canada's growing green energy sector you're going to want to visit kubienergy.ca today why because they're hiring They're hiring for those that'll be working out of their office in Kamloops, BC. They're looking to add team members in Edmonton. And of course, Kubi is also looking for folks that are basically looking to kickstart a career with a team that does things just a little bit differently. Check this out. You got to follow them on Instagram at Kubi Energy. You know, they did that. uh, We've told you about their installation on on the roof, on the front facing roof, facing the river at the Edmonton Convention Center. It is Canada's largest building integrated photovoltaic system, which means that it generates 200 megawatt hours of electricity, Johnny. The system offsetting approximately 150,000 kilograms Crazy. of CO2 every single year. Can you imagine that? That's just one building. More and more of the big industrial agricultural businesses are getting in touch with Kubi. You can do the same. They can help you out with your home. And that starts today with a conversation prompted by a visit to Kubi Energy. Kimberly Canal is a registered psychologist and has been a great friend of this show, though it feels like it's it's been a little while since we've had you on, and this is your debut in studio. Really so is. it's so nice to welcome you here. Thanks for making time for us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. We're having some fun, and, and we're getting some, you know, some serious talk in as well. Obviously, healthcare, nobody takes that. Uh, more seriously, I think, than Canadians, although maybe I'm focusing on our own backyard, you know, but uh, we're also talking about UFOs, just Mm -hmm. wild testimony uh, yesterday, a congressional hearing. Do you believe, and I know you may not have been expecting this question and preparing for this conversation, do you believe in intelligent life outside of planet Earth? I have lived long enough 
to know that anything is possible. Okay. So you're not ruling it out, but you're not, not ruling it out. You're not boldly going on the record saying yes. 100%. Saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. <laughs> saying there's, there's a always chance. There's always a chance. I love it. Um, there's a few things that we want to talk to you about. Um, but number one, this is a, this is an interesting story that we wanted to get caught up on. Just we, we say real talk is news, politics, and pop culture. And this was a pop culture story in origin. But I think that there are certainly, you know, psychological and mental health angles to pursue here with with Hollywood. I think he's an A-lister. I think we can say that safely. Uh, Jonah Hill and uh, recent revelations around communication with the, with an ex-partner of his. I know that this has been on your radar a little bit. Yeah, it really has. I think it's just such a beautiful example of, number one, nobody's perfect, right? Even if they look like they have a perfect life, no one's perfect. Number two, that, you know, a lot of people live in relationships and situations that are not ideal. And if we can use this as a teaching tool, then I am more than happy to do that and just kind of show people what it looks like because I think a lot of people are in situations and they don't really understand, oh, this isn't right. This is something that needs a boundary. So um, Sarah Brady is his ex. She's a pro surfer. She's she's made a, a name for herself in her profession and, and in her pursuit of excellence in that context. But but really kind of made a name for herself with, uh, you know, posting these controversial text messages where basically he tells her, you know, that uh, she's violating his boundaries mm-hmm. by posting photos in bathing suits, by, you know, surfing with other men, that kind of a thing. Um, she's publicly branded him as emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you automatically in a situation like this say that is emotional abuse or, you know, with your professional training, do you say, well, I need more information? Uh, no. So what I would not do is classify him as a person. I don't know him well enough. But I can definitively say, looking at these text messages, they are abusive. Yes, 100%. Okay. Can we get specific? Like, do you have any, do you have any recollection? I know Johnny's showing some on the screen here, but there's some of his mm-hmm. co- comments. I know that you've read those texts. Yeah. Uh, people can subscribe to your email, right? Like I do. Yeah. yeah. So if they just go to your website, is that how you do it? You go to KimberlyCanal.com. We'll put that, yeah. put that in the show notes. And, and you emailed, you, you yeah. sent this out to, to your, your followers, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, just last week. Where, where did you detect or where did you pick up on in particular yeah. where these messages or these sentiments crossed the line? Yeah. Well, and the tricky thing about it is he's using psychological terms in order to bolster his case, right? So that's really the confusing part about it. But the things he says are, you know, if you're hanging out with these types of people, then you're not for me. And he, he you know, really degrades her friends, her past, her uh, interactions, which are part of her job. And that is the, pr- the problematic piece of this is he's saying, okay, you know, he's being very judgmental and very, um, like he's using the reality of her life against her. And then he's saying, you know, but if this is your choice, then you're not the person for me. Right. And it's like, well, this isn't her, this is her job. This is who she was when you met her. I was just going to say, he knew what she did before he met her, before he started dating her. Yeah. So that to me seems a little bit strange. That's that, that to me is, is one of the big red flags. hundred percent. So then you know, it just, 
he uses this as I'm setting boundaries with you, but that's even used in the wrong context because boundaries are what you're going to do. Boundaries are for yourself. What behavior do you want to be around and not be around? That doesn't mean you go blame and shame other people for what they're doing. It's if he doesn't want to be around somebody who you know, post photos of herself like that or hangs out with certain types of people, he doesn't have to be, but he also doesn't have to shame and blame her in that process, right? And that's the problematic part. He can absolutely choose not to be in this relationship, but he doesn't have to blame and shame her in order to end the relationship. Okay, because I wanted to ask you about this. So what would have been the right way for him to go about this? Mm -hmm. I mean, can you, is, is there only one right answer? Well, pretty much. <laughs> so, you know, really what we're talking about and what I see very clearly here is his jealousy, right? He's jealous of the relationships. He's jealous of other people seeing her body now that he is in love with her. So if he doesn't want to be in that relationship anymore, all he has to do is say, you know what? My own stuff is getting in the way here. I see I need to do more work on this. I'm going to go and do that. But while I'm doing it, I can't be in this relationship with you. And I wish you all the best. That's it. Right. So then it's not about her at all. It's about him and what he's going through. And, and what do you think the response would have been from the general public had had she released text messages along those lines? Well, number one, there wouldn't have been news, right? It would have just been a nice, simple conversation. Wish you well. Let's shake hands. Part as friends, right? There wouldn't have been news. But number two, had he said that, that would have shown his emotional maturity. And it's just ironic that he also has a Netflix special about his psychiatrist, mm. right? So that's, I think, part of the irony here is we know he's in therapy. We know he's getting help. Uh, from Phil Stutz. Um, it's it's an interesting boundary crossing <laughs> Netflix special. I think it's really, it's an interesting study and I think I appreciate that he put it out. But what this really shows too, for men and women who are uh, people that are working on themselves and possibly not being their best selves in relationships is that just because you are working on yourself doesn't mean you're perfect. You're still going to make mistakes. You've still got stuff from your childhood, from other relationships that's going to influence you. When you make these mistakes, apologize, make amends. Like you're going to say things in the heat of the moment you don't mean sometimes because we're human, but then do something about it. Don't continue to force the issue and continue to blame and shame the, the other person. Uh, let me get my whole question out before you write it off, okay? I just, I, I just had Rachel Notley call one of my very first questions in an interview completely ridiculous. And so uh, let's see if I don't go two for two here. <laughs> Can a situation like this, and I'm, and I'm not making light of, of like emotional abuse or anything like that, obviously. But can a situation like this with with such a high profile individual have a silver lining in the sense that it kickstarts almost a worldwide, like a mm -hmm. global conversation about boundaries and appropriate relationships and, and, you know, empathetic communication and, you know, equality and, and all the things like, do, do you see, I mean, don't, you know, I'm, I'm not making light of, of what Sarah Brady is going through or for that matter, what Jonah Hill is wrestling with. I mean, mm -hmm. he's obviously in the shit right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, but do you see some positive, generally speaking, for the general population? A hundred percent. And that's why I want to use this as a teaching tool. And part of what my message is around this is that we have to give credit to Jonah for continuing to be in this process of 
self-discovery. He went into therapy knowing he was not, he was far from perfect and he didn't like the life that he was living. And so cancel culture is something that I really want to, uh, to highlight here. This is not a teaching tool to demonize Jonah if he makes amends. If he doesn't and continues to, you know, berate Sarah and be mean to her, then that's not okay either. But if this is his opportunity to say, oh my gosh, I really made some mistakes. I wasn't aware. Now I am. Uh, I apologize. This I shouldn't have done this. There's such redemption and learning in this story. We can all relate to Jonah on some level. We've all been mean to people who we love. And so, you know, let's not take this as a cancel culture moment. Let's take this as a teaching opportunity to say, we're all capable of this and we can all be redeemed as well. Uh, Tony on our live chat says, those aren't boundaries. Uh, those are red flags. <laughs> Tony says, my ex did the exact same thing to me, but he could do whatever he wanted, it seems. So yeah, no, bye, she says. Alyssa says, I've been disgusted at how many women online are calling her jealous mm -hmm. of his marriage and yeah. are supporting Jonah Hill. She says, women, get it together. Uh, background, and, and I, don't, I don't follow too closely, but my wife let me know mm -hmm. uh, that it, apparently they've, he and his new partner have welcomed Just a new baby, a baby. So yeah. it's so it's kind of like there, there's that going on, which yeah. maybe adds an extra layer to how some people perceive this. Mm -hmm. And and you wonder what what sort of prompted uh, Sarah Brady to, to decide to release all of this. She doesn't mm -hmm. have to explain it to anybody, obviously. Yeah. And do I think that's a huge breach of trust? you know, between her and Jonah? Totally. I don't think she should have put these out there. But at the same time, uh, it's like I say, I, people like me can use it as a teaching tool, right? If I was in the relationship, though, that's that's crossing. She's crossing a boundary there, unfortunately, I think. I don't think that that's, that's private information. And what's her motivation for publicly sharing that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just let the question percolate, and, and and people will will wonder about that as as one. Of, like, there's a million things to consider here, right? Is, yeah. Um, you know, and 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 it's not like Jonah Hill has it all together, not at all, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's it's not like <laughs> he, any of us do. He's he's imperfect, just like the this rest is the of us, stars. Yeah. They're just like mm -hmm. us. That's mm -hmm. kind of the thing. Um, again, people can check out what you do at KimberlyCanal.com, um, and we'll have that in the show notes. So they can follow you. You do these like masterclass workshops. You, you help people with coaching and therapy and. And essentially with the end goal of helping people live their most authentic, courageous and fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. And I know that one of the things that you've really been focusing on is conflict resolution. Yeah. And we've been talking, you're the first registered psychologist that we're getting on the show here to talk about this, but we've talked to a lot of journalists and authors. Um, you know, I think of a particularly powerful interview with Sean Canungo, mm -hmm. um, who's like skyrocketing to success with his book, The Bold Ones Lately, about whether or not we've lost our ability to, to respectfully disagree, whether we've lost our ability to debate whether yes. we've lost our ability to reach across the aisle or, or walk a mile in other people's shoes, whatever it is, whatever the euphemism is that you want to use. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I was hoping that maybe you could shine some light on, a, uh, on this uh, for us, the, the healthiest ways to, to pursue and achieve conflict resolution. Can, can you yeah. take us into this? Well, one of the biggest issues we're having, I mean, I just spoke about loud quitting a couple days ago, right? The, one of the biggest issues we're having in our society is we are deathly afraid of having hard conversations. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want people to be mad at us. And so we're not talking about the tough stuff. And that is at the root of all of our conflict is that there is we're making up stories about what's happened. Quite often they're not true. And or, you know, we look like the good guy, they look like the bad guy, and we're not 
taking the time to get more information, to see what the other person's perspective is. And let's even say agree to disagree on some things. I mean, I've been married 18 years. There's lots of things I disagree to disagree on. It doesn't mean it has to end a marriage, right? And so we can do that in our personal lives and our professional lives where we sit down and we have a conversation and our intention needs to be, I'm here to understand you better. And conflict can actually make relationships better when we get to know each other better and we work through something hard together. It brings us closer. Mm. It's it's um, and I'm observing this in my own personal life. And I think that most people that are going to hear this might be uh, living the same experience. Maybe you are as well, where we're, you know, we're, we're just enough. We're getting to the point where we're just enough out of the pandemic and yes people are still getting sick with covid and, and yes hospitals are still seeing cases and y- y- yes 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 but people are starting to i think cool down a little bit maybe enough to start the early work of restoring and rehabilitating some friendships and some relationships that were badly damaged yeah. or in some cases severed mm-hmm. because there were camps mm-hmm. right like if we talk to, to folks how they feel about for example private health care delivery today we're going to get some people that are saying absolutely not and we're going to have some people that are going to say absolutely mm-hmm. and then we're going to have some people that'll say well like maybe with like this or that or maybe we could draw the line here or maybe we could explore that we'll see people across the spectrum mm-hmm. but when it came to whether or not you should get vaccinated or how you felt about masks mm-hmm. or how you felt about other mandates it was basically like option a option B. And there were hand grenades. There were atomic bombs being deployed by people to the other side. Do you think that that there was permanent damage done? Are you optimistic that we can get back to a point? I mean, yesterday, we haven't talked about, it's not too much of a stretch, but Senator Mitch McConnell yesterday had what experienced what what almost looked like a stroke on live TV. I mean, it was shocking. He went, he came back out and talked to people later. So it was, Mm. he says he's okay. I mean, he's 80 plus years old and, and, but it was, it was a troubling thing to see. He just froze up on camera. Um, and, and he said he felt a little bit faint. He was he was escorted out of the limelight for a little bit. He came back and he did speak to reporters again. But okay. we heard that, that the president, that Joe Biden reached out to him mm-hmm. and, and, and checked in on his well-being. And there was like this moment of decency for two guys that, let's be honest, have 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 opposed each other vociferously for, you know, for like 40 years on yeah. Capitol Hill. Um, and I saw a bunch of people, some of my American follows on social media that were saying, that's the America we want to get back to, yes. where a Democrat can call a Republican who had a medical incident, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe the two of them can relate a little bit. Um, are you optimistic we can get back there? Yeah, absolutely. I fundamental, fundamentally believe that, number one, people are hardwired for connection, that we need each other. And number two, we all just want to be loved. And so if we can relate to each other on a human level, when we look someone in the eye, we're going to be much more empathetic. Um, We may have vastly different political views, vastly different worldviews, but we are all hardwired the same. We're all human beings. And so if you can go into a conversation with the intention of, I want to treat you with respect, like having some basic values kind of in the core of, of your brain, which is like, integrity, humanity, common decency, integrity, um, then you can approach anybody with, I love you, even if I don't like your behavior or your political views, right? You can still love people 
and not like what they're saying. It doesn't have to mean anything about them. It's a little bit different when you're talking about members of the general public and their perception of a politician, mm -hmm. because those are maybe a little bit more hard and fast. And there's a lot of factors at play. If somebody's, you know, aligned in, in partisan fashion, which is completely fine, you know, maybe mm -hmm. they, they campaign, they fundraise, they have the memberships, the whole nine yards, they're not going to yeah. change their minds. But it's not lost on me. Anytime that we'll comment on the federal government or on the prime minister, I'll get a bunch of people in my replies mm -hmm. saying, oh, yeah. And, and they'll reference specifically comments that he made. Mm -hmm dismissive dehumanizing comments mm -hmm. um and i'm not completely innocent either mm -hmm. if you check the tape on some of my comments during the pandemic i had strong feelings you know i mean we look at the, the death toll every single day and it was crazy and mm -hmm. and healthcare professionals were at the end of their rope and and uh, i shouldn't even use that turn of phrase uh you know because right i mean i got to choose my words carefully there but all things considered it was stressful mm -hmm. for everybody yeah. if i could take back some of the things i said mm -hmm. i would yeah and and I wonder if the prime minister might as well. But mm. but but some of the words that he used to describe participants, for example, in the Ottawa occupation. And I get that mm. Canadians feel very strongly one way or another about that period of time. But it stuck with people mm -hmm. big time. Mm -hmm. And politically speaking, those people aren't going to forget what yep. they heard from that prime minister. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and here's the thing is, again, you can disagree with people and not wish them harm. Right. It's when we start to, you know, look at people as less than human that then we can actually it's called dehumanization where we then can do terrible things to them and say terrible things about them when we forget about people's humanity but when we connect back into our own humanity we can say okay you know what i may need to set a boundary like an actual boundary a real one with this person this may not be a conversation we can have maybe this is even not a relationship i want to have but i can still treat you with dignity and respect because that's one of my values yeah uh, Tracy with an E uh, says, in some cases, I think we just found out how ugly some folks in our society could get. Um, some were willing to forgive others we no longer associate with for our mental health. Tracy without an E says, nope, I'm down two friends I've known for more than 35 years and I have no regrets. They showed their true colors and they never apologized for personal attacks. Sorry, not sorry. That from Tracy with no E. Yeah. And boundaries are really about what behavior do you not want to be around? Right. Like we can even tie this back to the Jonah Hill example. Right. Should Sarah not be with him? A hundred percent. Right. Like even though he's imperfect and he's getting better and all the things he's still in that relationship created a toxic environment. Right. And so there may just be some people in your life that because of their unwillingness to see your side of it aren't going to be people that can be in your life. But you can still wish them well. It's okay if not every relationship's okay. a great fit, right? It's totally okay. Before we run out of time, can you talk to us about the work that you're doing on guilt? Yes. Oh, so much. In so interesting. So I talked to so many leaders, parents about, you know, trying to live their life more fully with more happiness, all the things. And when people try and implement changes, the first thing that they say to me is, yeah, but I feel so guilty about that. I feel so guilty about making my needs as important as other people's. I feel so guilty about spending money on myself or spending time. And so it's really getting in a lot of people's way of making positive changes for their lives. And so, yeah, well, I'm doing some, uh, some interesting research on that and I can't wait to talk more about it. But basically it comes down to it's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to have thoughts and feelings and still move forward. How has your practice changed or how, how has the practice of psychology or counseling or coaching 
changed, would you say, over the past five years? Oh, gosh, hugely. I think which I've been trying to do for years, I think it's more accessible than it's ever been. I think there's more options than there's ever been, which also comes with great responsibility. As the consumer, please research your professionals. Not everybody's qualified. Not everybody has credentials or training. So, you know, know who you're talking to. But also, I think people are more open to discussing mental health that, you don't have to go to somebody just when you're in a crisis. You can go just because you want to change your life. Like you're just not, you're low level, not super happy with how things are going and you want them to change. So time to go talk to someone. Before we go, um, I'm always curious to pick the minds of professionals and, and understand what they do uh, in, in the pursuit of their own mental health. Can you tell us about Bo in Brooklyn before we go? Before you go? <laughs> my horsies. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love them. So horses for me are so interesting because they're prey animals. And so if you come in with a strong, uh, aggressive energy, which as predators, human beings are, um, they get scared of you. So you 100% have to manage your own internal emotional weather system in order to be successful working with horses. And so, you know, my horses have definitely taught me how to manage and in a micro way, how to manage my own feelings, my own intentions, my own thoughts, because they can they can sense it. They can read it. They're incredible animals. What is it about? And, and you see this with um, people that are living with autism, um, PTSD, all kinds of mental health challenges uh, like horses. It seems to me this is anecdotal. I don't know. I don't have the numbers, but I, it seems to me that horses are being utilized more than ever before as therapy animals. Mm -hmm. um, is it is it, is it it sounds to me like there's almost a pressure on a human the way that you described it to, to get yourself in order to be with a horse is is that in a way one of the big things they bring to a table or is there mm -hmm. more about them that make them so well suited for therapy oh there's number one so trusting of humans and number two they're an excellent mirror right so if if you even have a flash of a thought or a flash of anger or a, a bad intention they're walking away from you like huh. they do not put up like talk about good boundaries horses have amazing boundaries <laughs> they will walk away if you are not not being kind so or your intentions are too strong or powerful so um yeah no they're they're a fantastic mirror and they're also gentle kind and loving and yeah if you're not they will let you know <laughs> yeah a buddy of mine has i'm so proud of him he's he's walked away he had a great career in granite he worked in granite for a lot of years, but he could not ignore his upbringing. He could not ignore the draw to get back into the barns. He grew mm -hmm. up on it. And so my friend TJ has has started his second career now at 40 years old, and he's running an operation outside Calgary and, and overseeing barns and breaking horses and all kinds of cool stuff. We call it training horses now. Oh, We don't break horses anymore. Really? Yeah, we train them. Are we getting too soft? Why don't we say breaking them? Is it just it implies that what? <laughs> That you literally break their spirits. We don't do that anymore. Is that it? That yeah. they, they, they break their spirits? 100%. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I won't say breaking anymore. No, we Thanks. train them. Yeah, it's okay. I had a, <laughs> I had a, I had a guest on la last year, and and um, w just an, an absolute brilliant mind when it comes to. Uh, do you know Astro Katie? Do you know who she is by chance? No, so, uh, but I need to get You should Google her, follow person. her on Instagram. She's a pilot and an author and astrophysicist, and she's absolutely amazing. And I say, talk to me about this unmanned spacecraft. And and as soon as it came out of my mouth, I go. And she goes, we don't say unmanned anymore. And I was like, oh, I just blew it. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, and and so neat. And then. We take our little guys 
Wyatt and Noah to the Calgary Stampede a couple of weeks ago and got into the barns cool. yeah. and seeing just these these animals. They love kids. And there's like the thoroughbreds. There yeah. were the Arabians there. Mm-hmm. They had all the, the some of these uh, like ponies, the Shetland ponies oh, and stuff. Yeah, so and then cute. the heavy haul horse, the big they're Belgian amazing. horses that they're are like so 2,400 pounds. Yeah, they're so cool. So cool. <laughs> there's something about horses. I'm just like... Uh, so cool. Um, thanks for joining us here. And, and thanks for getting into the Jonah Hill stuff in particular. I wanted mm-hmm. to like talk to an expert about it and, and ask some of the questions that I see armchair experts musing about. And this is a perfect online. example. As we just live did this where we're teaching each other about language. Yeah. Right? Nobody has to get mad. Nobody has to shame anyone. It's like, oh, we don't call it breaking anymore. Or your yeah. friend said, this is, it's not end manned anymore. Like we just talk about it. It's 100%. not a deal. People want to be better. We can just learn and teach each other, right? Yeah. And we can make mistakes and we can circle back and we can fix it and it's all fine. We're just here to to be people and to care about each other. I don't know why I'm thinking of Gord Downey right now, but I just think of grace too, yeah. you know? A little bit of grace. Totally. Uh, aimed in... Aimed at ourselves too. Hey, if you're perfect, then absolutely throw stones. There but I know nobody out there is. Few so. members, few <laughs> members of our audience, I think, might might be pretty close to perfect. But I don't know if they're all exactly <laughs> there. Um, this is Kim McGill. We've been hanging out with you. Can check her out online and uh, a lot of opportunities, including I know you do some corporate speaking mm-hmm. engagements. You can work with groups or individuals, and uh, and I would recommend that you start by subscribing to her email. I, I really appreciate when you put those out, and I read every single one. So oh, amazing, Thank I you. do for real. I've learned a lot from you, Kim and I appreciate your time here today. Uh, This conversation was presented by our friends at Complete Care Restoration, and this is literally the only Real Talk sponsor that tells us with with a smile on their face that they hope that you never call them. They they hope that they never meet you, except for maybe at the Real Talk Christmas party. But but other than that, uh, they want to see everybody's homes, of course, make it through. No problems with fire, no problems with flood. Kim, hang out. Don't leave yet because I want to say goodbye to you. We're just, yeah, we're, they, they do mold and asbestos removal. This is the team that when you're experiencing the worst nightmare, when you're experiencing, you know, whether it's wildfire that it impacted your community or maybe there's a sewer line backup in, in, in your home, that's an absolutely, oh man, we've been there. You're going to want to give them a call. You can trust them. Trust me. We've worked with them and we've seen their professionalism. It is second to none. You can find yourself getting your life back by visiting completecarerestoration.ca or you can call them 780-454-0776 maybe punch that into your phone so if disaster strikes you know who your first call needs to be we also wanted to remind you that tomorrow's friday that means another rowdy edition of trash talk presented by our friends at local environmental services if something that maybe you heard me say today about healthcare has just riled you right up put it in an email That's going to feel good. Number one, to get it out. Number two, send it to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Local Environmental Services believes in keeping it local. That means communities deserve better when it comes to service, prices, and support for local causes. You can see how they can help you in Alberta or Saskatchewan by visiting localenvironmental.ca. Coming up on tomorrow's Real Talk, it's a Real Talk roundtable on brand and reputation, the faces of companies and movements, logos, and an impressionable public. Yeah, it's prompted by Twitter's move to X, but we're going to make it about more than that. We're going to talk about Hockey Canada. We're going to talk about rebrands that have worked and ones that have fallen flat. We've got experts checking in stateside and from Vancouver, and we hope you'll join us then.
Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.